Firing line, chain of command, learning to live under authority. Pastor Ron Go. Yeah, chain of command. All right, let me before you really jump into this, let me ask you a question. Hmm. Or chain of command. Okay, that's what we're learning. Learning to live under authority. Um, have you ever woke up in the morning and said, "Man, I hope somebody bosses me around." Mm. No. <laughs> now listen right now I know a thousand jokes are happening in guys minds they're going well I'm married so I don't have to say I mean I, I can just hear the jokes like I can name names right now of men that are having fun with that he's looking right at me you know, right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny but no I mean here's the truth um, yes we're talking about learning to live under authority my point was seldom do we wake up and want to be bossed around. So mm. the idea of living under authority doesn't, it's not that appealing, mm. um, which is why there's a lot of material on leadership and we need it. But I have to start with this quote from Sun Tzu. Have you ever read? It's not really a read, but do you have the art of war? I mean, I mean, it is, but it, you know, man, incredible. Yeah. Mm. yeah. That guy was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. I mean, the, the stuff that... All right, so here's a quote by Sun Tzu. A leader leads by example, not by force. Wow. Okay, so uh, as you're listening, um, the audience that we are reaching is, is varied. Uh, it's mostly married men, but we do have a lot of single guys. I also know there's a lot of uh, younger... Um, Almost boys, like in their you know high school men, if you will, but young boys, young men um, that are listening, and I'll be you know what I'm watching is there's a lot of women that are listening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So watch out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ready on the right. <laughs> Ready on the left. <laughs> Already but, in the locker room. <laughs> exactly. But that's a good thing. Uh, yeah. Because they want, they're in it with their um, husbands. They want to, they want to hear, they want to learn, and I love that. Well, but, honey, I was listening on Frontside today, and I noticed. Yeah, right. <laughs> We're getting some of that, um, but I get that. that that's fun. My, here's what I'm trying to to say with that: is very seldom. Do you and I um, get anywhere if all we're doing is constantly like yelling at somebody and forcing the issue? Um, yeah. and, and so now here's what we know: leadership. We hear that word a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, even pastors are doing podcasts on leadership, which is needed, mm-hmm. which is necessary. But I mean, you you can't go really anywhere without. I mean, anywhere you Google. Um, the word leader is out there. Like there's a mm-hmm. call for leaders every day, mm-hmm. everywhere, how to be a better leader, um, how to win friends and influence people, you know, that kind of thing, um, how to be a better dad. I mean, there's endless supply of books, mm. podcasts, resources. All of it's geared at, at making us a better leader. Here's a question I had, though. Okay, so maybe I don't have the demographics in front of me. Maybe 
this, but here's here's what postured the question that postured um, this episode. If there's so much being so much material on leadership, why are we not seeing more godly men lead? Mm. So one of the things I deal with a lot in our our church, but also other churches, is it's it's getting harder to find godly men who are ready and willing to serve. Yeah. Now, like most churches, uh, the majority of leadership and volunteership is um, women. Yeah, Women lead the way in Bible study. Women are leading the way in prayer. Women are leading the way in volunteering. And, and I know some of you are saying, well, you know, my wife stays home and I work all day and it's 14-hour days. Hang on. Some of the, some of the women like in the ministry here they're high ranking in mm-hmm. their jobs. Yeah. I mean, they travel all over the country. Yeah. And I mean, they're they're serious production managers. They're serious, you know, like they're running major companies. Mm-hmm. And they still have time to volunteer. Mm-hmm. Raina, my wife, made a great statement. She goes, You know what I noticed in working with people? People that are used to producing have no problem producing when they come to church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now it's kind of a, you know, you know what I mean? What she was saying was when I give something to somebody, like, can you be over this ministry? Mm-hmm. Um, she goes, they get it done, and I don't have to like hold their hand because they they're so used to producing. So here's here's what we're trying to talk about today. It, it, why, with so much material on guys trying to be leaders, and there's so much out there, why do we not have more godly leaders? And it's not that we don't, we do, but why do we not have more than what we should with all the material that's out there? So let's let's pause for a moment and define what leadership is not. So we can understand what it means to live under authority. Okay, leadership is not um, what the Bible calls lording it over. So when a guy is called to ministry, it says that he is to lead by example. First Thessalonians, he is not to lord it over this people, right? So we know that it's it's not demanding something of someone else that you're not willing to perform. Leadership is not using and abusing a title just to get someone to perform a duty only because you said so. Mm, yeah. So now let's be more specific. So, all right, so if a majority of our um, listeners, our audience is married men, uh, let's use the home as an illustration. Okay, let's start there. And then, of course, work our way back in and around to leadership um, for all of us, like how to live under authority. Okay, yeah. so... Let's be more specific. Leadership in the home is is not coming in and saying with words or actions like, I'm the boss. I wear the pants in this family. Listen to me. Um, yes, I still hear a lot of that. Yes, I still do a decent amount of counseling. I'm not just here locally, but uh, I do a lot of speaking into guys. Like I said, well, tell me what's going on. Why is your wife shy? Why is she, you know, Pulling away, why is she no longer intimate? And I'm like, well, walk me through your conversation. It's, it's kind of that attitude that's that's there. Okay. Now here's what leadership is. Leadership is influence, character, self-sacrifice, courage, and meekness. Now, I'm pretty sure we have the wrong idea of what leadership looks like and even what kingdom leadership looks like. Hmm. Many of you probably read uh, books by the author Ken Blanchard. He's most well-known author and speaker and writing on the topic of servant leadership. I mean, that's his book, yeah. books. But he does a great job, and he helps us understand the difference between like worldly expressions of leadership 
and what is a biblical concept of leadership. So hang on. Here's what we're really going to talk about today. Um, you're ready on the right? You're ready on the left? Because we're about ready to take a, an about face. Yes. Okay. So here's what we're talking about. We're, in this episode, what we're mainly going to talk about, the main topic is developing the art of following. So biblically speaking, you and I cannot be an effective leader unless we learn to be an effective follower. Okay, so the power of followership is powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, You just may or may not notice it. There was a commercial, I think, some type of insurance company years ago, like that noticed somebody would step out and like give someone a a hand, and then somebody walked by and they noticed, oh, they did that, and and it just kept... This, this idea of what somebody did, and I watched it, well, if he can do that, I can do that. That person that was doing the thing, he didn't say, hey, I need you to do this. He just acted like he served, he saw a need, and he met, mm-hmm. and that inspired others. Mm. So because there, there's so much power in following, um, I think we make the mistake of focusing on how to be a good leader before we've ever learned how to be a good follower. Yeah. And you cannot be as an effective of a leader Unless you've learned that. Now, here's the key. Jesus' own words. Jesus' call to the disciples were, follow me. Mm-hmm. Follow me. Yeah. So he calls us to be followers, and then he empowered them with leadership to take the gospel. I mean, 12 men to take the gospel around the world, and the only two words that they knew were, follow me. Mm-hmm. He never told them, go out and be great leaders. Go out and hold great campaigns. You know, like, I'm, you get my point, right? He literally said, like, the art here is is learning to follow. Adrian Rogers, who's now deceased but a, a mentor of mine, former pastor at Bellevue Baptist Church, said this, in order to be over, you must learn to live under. Mm, yeah. Okay? So there's power in following, and we got to learn this, guys. Okay? So every man who is a Christian is a follower of Christ, and every follower of Christ is nothing but a chosen servant. When I was called into ministry, surrendered to ministry, um, two years later, I was licensed into ministry, um, and then had to spend another three years before I was ordained. But on the day of being licensed into ministry, my pastor gave me a a book on pastoral ministry by W.A. Criswell, and in that, my pastor signed it, and he said, you have now been selected as a chosen servant. Hmm. Never forgot that. And in, in essence, that's what we're going to learn. All right, so let's talk about marriage first and foremost. So let's bring it home, literally bring it home. We're going to use the backdrop of 1 Peter 3, and we're going to talk about this idea of following and leadership in the context of home. Then we're going to just literally splinter this thing out and give it to each one of us, no matter your age, no matter your demographic, single, divorced, married, young man, uh, senior adult, middle age, wherever you are, okay? So let's talk about marriage first and foremost. Now, in Ephesians 5... Here's the words we get from Paul. He says this, that a husband is to love his wife as Christ loved the church. Mm. Well, then he goes on to saying he died for it. Wow. All right, so the very first requirement of a man demonstrating his love is he has to love his wife as Christ died for the church. In other words, he had to to sacrifice a lot, self-sacrifice so much. Here's what we know. We know from history that Christ did not sit on a throne and command the church into existence. He wasn't like Father Time with a big cane, and he goes, church, do this. No, he he didn't demand the church to be formed. He demonstrated. Mm. He didn't demand. He didn't command. 
He demonstrated his love and his leadership by offering his life for the church. Now, what does it mean, knowing Paul has called us to do that, what does it mean for a man to be successful in his marriage, to love his wife as Christ loved the church? Okay, so I did counseling, gosh, early on in ministry. And here's the conversation that happened. It was hilarious. And I thought, wow, I've never thought about it that way. So a young couple, been there about four years, they, they come into the office and, um, you know, they're, they're having some problems already. I mean, some some serious struggles. And, um, you know, I'm quoting the verse and so forth. She goes, yeah, I've thought about that. And I thought she was kind of joking at first because just looking at her body language and her posture. And she goes, you know, here's where I'm at. She said, if my husband is supposed to, like, demonstrate his love for me like Christ did and he died for the church, he's like, when's he going to die? <laughs> Yeah. Now inside, I was like, "Do I laugh?" Oh, or, but the room was, and she was kind of serious because their their issues were like rough, mm. things that had happened, and she was like, "I'm kind of waiting on that day." Wow. And I was like, "Wow!" I was, and so from there, I was like, "Well, let me explain what that actually means." <laughs> you know, it doesn't mean that your best marriage is when your husband dies. Yeah. <laughs> right. So here's here's what that means when you. When you look at the life of Jesus and the principles of a disciple, we have found that throughout the scriptures, here's what we find. There's a process of learning that gives us an, a, a, a formula. In other, in other words, how to live under authority. Okay, here, here's what I get. I, I get this, guys. I get it all, all the time. Um, when we talk about living under authority, the average man thinks, well, I'm going to be emasculated. If I'm going to surrender, if I'm going to submit, then I'm no longer going to have a voice. I'm just going to be a putz, you know, I'm going to be second in command, and that's not how, how like, who's going to be boss is what they're asking. Yeah. Because current culture has ingrained in us to think like this, if you're not first, you're last. last. Now, we think godly leadership is having all the answers, making all the decisions, being first in line, and so on. Like, I hear that. So many guys are like, Pastor Ron, I get it. Remember, front sight, we're taking aim at biblical manhood. Like, I firmly believe that men want to be better leaders. They want to be better followers. They want to be better dads, better husbands. They, they, I firmly believe they want to be godly. Yeah. They just don't know how. Because here's they're like, Pastor Ron, I want to do this, but I don't know enough about the Scriptures. I don't know enough about this. Already they're saying that in order to be a leader, they have to be like first in line. Mm -hmm. Like, I need to be the smartest guy in the house. I need to... That's not at all what that means, okay? The strongest example of leadership our entire world has is Christ himself. Yeah. He was, right? I mean, he was the creator of the universe, but he submitted himself to every type of authority, mm. even down to washing the disciples' feet. His entire earthly ministry was all about sacrificing himself, obviously, for the church. Now, this sacrifice did not only happen on the cross. We see examples of it. Mm -hmm. I've already mentioned some, you know, like washing uh, the disciples' feet. And in so many areas, he just submitted himself to others. The woman at the well, he wasn't supposed to go to Samaria. They weren't supposed to, you know, mix with, with, that, with the Samaritans. He wasn't supposed to be there at the well speaking to her. And yet he sort of sat there and said, it's okay, let's sit here and talk for just a moment. There was so much about culture that said, don't do that, but he did it. Yeah. He sacrificed himself. Now, a great place to start for you now to have this discussion is in 1 Peter chapter 3. All right, I love, love, love this. Now, to be honest, to be fair, let's be fair. When we read 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1, I'm going to read it. 
This is where men get a testosterone boost. <laughs> They're like, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. This, this is it, right? Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do, do, do not obey the word, they may be one without a word. Okay, let me go back. Wives, be subject to your own husbands. Mm. A lot of guys will stop right there. We're done. We're, we're done. Yeah. Like they'll quote that. They're like, don't you see that? Have you ever heard that? Like they'll misquote it, they'll misapply it, and so forth. We love that verse. Man, the testosterone gets flowing. Like I just feel like I'm, I'm, a, I'm a captain of a ship. And to be honest, uh, we stop there. Yeah. Because we're like, hey, wifey, um, go read chapter three, verse one. Like I literally have guys say that. Like I told my wife, wife, and I and I'll I'll stop on. Can I be honest? I stop. I'm like, does your wife have a name? <laughs> I do. I'll be honest. I'm, I'm a little bit rude. I'm like, quit calling her. Wife. I know that's what she is, but call her by name anyway. But let's jump down to verse seven. Mm. Here's what verse seven says. Most most guys don't read that far. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. What is a common cultural statement that comes from men about women? Women can't be leaders, strong. Understood. Understood, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, you can't ever figure out a woman. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, you just don't even try. Like, I mean, when I was young, I'd have guys say, are you married yet? I'm like, no, I'm nine. And, 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 and I mean, they, you know, they would always ask you that and they'll say, well, well, don't get married cause you can't ever figure out a woman. Mm. Verse seven says we are to live with our wives in an understanding way. Yeah. In other words, the Bible says how I submit to my wife is I get to know her before I can ever fully lead her. Yeah. Wow. Think about this. Right. And if you go further down, the Bible actually says my prayers are hindered. Um, if I don't get to know my wife. This is why so many guys stop at verse 1 and not go down to verse 7. Verse 7 says, I am to dwell with my wife with an attitude of understanding. Let me put that into plain English here. My wife becomes the greatest project that I study, and she can be understood. Yeah. Did you hear that? Like, your wife can be understood. If you're driving down the road right now in your truck or your car, chances are if you're if you turn on the radio station, more specifically a country music station, one out of ten songs will discuss about how women cannot be understood. I'm telling you right now, the Bible says they can. Right here in the middle, the, uh, right right here in these verses, the Bible says that men are to live with their meaning. Here's what it means: your greatest leadership in the home is studying your wife, so you can understand her ways and her actions. Mm. The average guy, including me, wants to be treated like Captain Jack when he comes home, right? Yeah. You come home and the door opens, the kids are standing there all properly dressed and clothed and <laughs> you know like pomp and circumstance like in the military, you know, dun, here comes the general, here comes the captain. Walk in and honey, dinner is prepared for you and I have pulled back thy bed for thee. <laughs> and notice the slippers are by your recliner here. Please relax and take a load off. We are all here to serve you. Like every guy wants to be treated like like sort of like he's he's the captain of the house, right? That's, that's not how your your guys' homes run. <laughs> <laughs> that happens in mine. Oh. Yeah. Rodney's on the next episode of How to Be That. My wife is not listening to the front seat <laughs> podcast. You're, you're texting her now. Okay, stop pulling back my bed at night. Right, right. Yeah, exactly right. Honey, make sure the slippers are out. I just told everybody you did that. 
Actually, Rihanna's texting my wife right now saying, you ought to jump on front sight real quick. Oh, how <laughs> funny. Yeah. All right, so the, now here's what I've discovered. The average guy um, has, as his love language, words of affirmation and acts of service. Mm. Okay, what does that mean? That means the average guy likes to hear this. You're the man. Dinner's ready. Yeah. I mean, in short, that's what they like to hear. So most of us love it when our wives say that to us or, or even try to perform that you know, and be that. To be honest, a lot of it can can happen in the house. Like your wife can treat you that way, but you have to learn how to crown her and, and understand her. Now, okay, let me, let me be very fair, honest, and transparent right now. My wife is stronger than me in so many more areas than me. Mm. My wife is stronger in discernment. She's stronger in intuition. She's stronger in like conversations and understanding what even like our girls are saying and just every, I mean, she's so much stronger. Now, physically, can I overpower my wife in the house? Absolutely. Um, where my wife is not as strong, she's not as good with words. I'm better at words. So I can, I can out, if I wanted to, I could argue her into a corner every day with words. And I can say them so fast and I can confuse her. I mean, I can't, and to, to be honest, our first few years of marriage, I kind of did that. Uh, you know, I was like, all right, I know what I'm talking about here, blah, 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 and so forth. But the more I understood Raina and found it come to discover, she's so much stronger than I am. Mm. One, just the fact that she can carry a baby for nine months. I, I, eat a, I have a bad lunch and my stomach hurts. I go home and lay down for four hours. <laughs> she can carry a child for nine months and deliver that child and yep. live with that. I, I don't know how. I just... Anyway, moving on from that subject, right? Here's my point. Anybody can demand someone love them. Yeah. Now, you can, and we're seeing it now. I'm literally talking with a, a family right now who has a daughter in another state, and she's literally being physically and emotionally abused. And when we talk to her, she's in counseling and so forth, but they're sharing stuff with me. And this girl thinks it's all her fault. So we know that anybody can demand someone love them, meaning we can make that demand, but as Gary Chapman says in his five love languages, love makes requests, not demands. And by the way, guys, if you've never gone through Gary Chapman's book, The Five Love Languages, it helps a lot, okay? He says it one more time, love makes requests, not demands. Even if I did choose to demand my wife to love me, and if she was so fooled by that shallow part of my character and follow through with the, with the demand, either out of fear or insecurity or doubt, or maybe she just felt like this is what a wife is supposed to do. Here's the truth. She's not really loving me. She's not really following me with all her heart, nor is she following me because she wants to. Yeah. Wow. Who in the world wants that? All right, so as I perform my responsibility to understand my wife, I'm learning how to honor her, and as I do that in return, she likewise wants to honor me. So what am I saying? First Peter 3, 7 says, I am actually submitting myself to my wife to learn her. Mm. My best expression of leadership in marriage is surrendering some of myself so I can understand who she is. And in learning that, then I will know how to love her and to lead her. And as I do that, her natural response is going to be, I would give my life to this man because the way he sacrificed himself for me. Mm, that's it right there. That is absolutely it right there. Mm -hmm. All right? So here's what we're going to do. Um, you and I are going to talk about leadership now. So we've understood it in the context of home. So maybe what I didn't say, let me say this. 
In order to be an effective leader in business, in order to be an effective leader in any other area, it starts at home. It literally starts at home. Now, that's as a young boy. So if you're a young man listening, learning to live under the authority of your mom, of your dad, will help you learn how to live under the authority of a teacher, will help you to learn to live under the authority of a boss. It all starts at home. Mm -hmm. Home should be that model. All right, but now let's let's dive into this. So guys, I get it. In in upcoming episodes, we're going to talk a little bit more on what does that mean in the context of, of marriage, okay? But for this podcast, for this episode, let's let's give you some practical principles on business, uh, on self. And from here, I'm going to be borrowing principles from men like John Maxwell, Ken Blanchard, even the United States Marine Corps Leadership Training Courses. Okay, I'm going to be borrowing some principles from Ooh-rah. that. Oorah. That I can just sort of modify uh, myself. And, and uh, you know what? Uh, to be fair... Um, I've had a lot of folks out of out of love and kindness and gentleness. They're like, uh, man, so appreciate your experience in the Marines. But did you know the Air Force like had this program and in, in, in the Army? And I'm like, I had no idea. And those are awesome. So we're going to be talking about those um, coming up, okay? But for the sake of time and to, to give more time for to these things that we're going to be talking about in the future episodes, I want to break down some of these concepts. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, here's what I mean. To be fair, it's going to be about a, what they call the 100,000-foot view yeah. of fellowship. We're talking about fellowship now. There's power in fellowship. So it's like the 100,000-foot view is what we're going to give. And then in future episodes, we're going, to, we're going to add to this. All right, so here's principle number one. Guys, are you ready? Yeah. All right, so um, if, if Kale Duncan, if you're listening and you're, ha- and you're in your Honda CRV, <laughs> he called me up. It was so funny. He was like, I was in my truck, and I didn't feel like much of a man. I was in my Honda CRV. <laughs> so you're in your Honda CRV or your minivan on the minivan, bro. My wife's minivan can get more stuff in it than my truck can. Yeah. Over the years. All right. So wherever you're at, all right, in your cubicle, you got earbuds in and you're out, you know, nailing, nailing some stuff down wherever you are. I don't know. Okay. Here's where you are. First, here it is guys. First, in order to be a good leader, you got to be a good follower. And one of the, a necessary requirement for followership is self-leadership is necessary. Mm. If you don't know how to lead and manage yourself, mm. how in the world are you going to lead others? Yeah. Like, Ooh. so many guys are lacking self-leadership. Like, they, they, want it, they, they want to, and they do give commands, and they do give instructions, but then they're not following so many, or they don't even know how to manage their business because they can't manage themselves. They don't know how to manage their home because they can't manage themselves. Yeah. Would you do what you say? Right, would I do what I say? That's a great question, right? Because you often say, do as I say, not as I do, right? Well, that fails in parenting all the time. Mm-hmm. And so um, also in the room, um, but not with a microphone, is Jordan Largaspada. He's a young man that's called into ministry, and I was sitting down with him yesterday. And um, I said, so in ministry, there is technically no boss. So like, if you work at like Publix, let's just say, you don't wake up going, oh, man, my, my manager's waiting on me to arrive. Like, no one else gets me out of bed in the morning except me. In ministry, the calling gets me out of bed. Yeah, The calling tells me when to go to bed. Yeah. So it's not like we work at a job that's, that's 8 to 5, and we, you know, we have to clock in and clock out. My point is, is this. I had to learn self-leadership because as a pastor, if I'm not leading myself, then where's everybody else going? John Maxwell says... Uh, 
he that taketh a walk and have no one behind him is not really a leader kind of a thing, mm. right? So I have to lead myself. Self-leadership is self-discipline. Yes. In order to be a good leader, it starts with following. And in following, as I'm following somebody else, I'm learning things about me that are necessary to lead. An individual's leadership is not dependent upon authority. Mm. We already read that quote by Sun Tzu. Leadership is set by example. My example of self-leadership is what earns me the right to lead. Mm. In other words, I cannot expect others to follow if I'm not willing to follow. Again, like we just already said, this this whole do as I say, um, not as I do is a very weak model of leadership. You're already stating that I'm lazy. I don't have control of myself. Self-leadership is necessary. Now, as I demonstrate responsibility and care of others, um, or even care of self, others are going to trust me. Mm-hmm. right? If, if I notice somebody in leadership that's taking care of themselves, I will want to follow them. But if I notice a guy that's sloppy, I'm like, don't know that I want to be that. Mm. Or go there. We've all seen that. Managers, leaders, bosses, friends. Now, let me just rattle these off. Here are 14 leadership traits. Now, listen to these traits. These are common traits, and there are more, but the this is a list that I found are common among those that I mentioned, like John Maxwell, Ken Blanchard, um, and so forth. Listen to these these traits that that help us learn how to live under authority. Justice, like learning a sense of right and wrong learning to live under under a sense of like what is right in this instance, what is wrong, how should the right and the wrong be carried out, judgment. Like a good leader has to have a good sense of judgment. Well, how do you learn that? Um, I used to watch Andy Griffith's show growing up as a kid, um, and uh, Barney wanted to be sheriff. You remember that episode? Did mm. you ever see that, Rodney? He wanted to be sheriff. Mm. And um, it kind of took Andy by surprise. And so it's like, all right, well, let's just play this out. You have a campaign, and I'll have a campaign. And, of course, he didn't get elected. And at the end of the show, he's like, he was upset. And he asked Andy, he says, what am I missing? He says, um, what does it take to be a good sheriff? And Andy said, experience. And he goes, what kind of experience? And he goes, bad experience. <laughs> he goes, what do you mean by that? He goes, with every failure that I made, I had to go back and learn from it, submit to this process of what can I learn from that failure, and those bad experiences actually made me a better leader. Mm, so you have to be in a seat of judgment that looks at good experiences and bad experiences so you'll know, I won't do that again. Mm. Dependability. Okay, justice, judgment, dependability, initiative, decisiveness, tact, integrity, enthusiasm, bearing, mm. that means you got to be oriented in the right direction. Um, unselfishness, courage, knowledge, loyalty, and endurance. Here's what I'll try to do on on the week of, when, uh, later on the week when I put this out, is I'll, maybe I'll try to list this on Instagram or Facebook or somewhere. Um, maybe we can just show that for you because that's a lot. Okay, but there's a, there's a 14 leadership qualities. Now, how how do I become a good follower? Can we talk about that? How to develop followership. Number one, you got to find a good leader to learn from. Um, Rodney, Jacob, y'all want to talk for a minute? Can you recall times when you had like a bad boss or a bad figure? Uh, 
or maybe you, maybe it necessarily didn't have to be your boss, um, but you saw a bad manager, you saw a bad leader, um, and then maybe can you recall a time that you had you had a good leader um, or an authority figure in your life? Uh, maybe you want to call it a mentor that developed you. Do you guys have anything to share? Because how to, how to, if I'm going to be a good follower, I, I have to have a good leader to learn from. Anybody? I mean, off the top of my head, I can I can think of like a good follower that I had or a good leader I had in my life because there was a time where I was kind of following the crowd in high school and I was in cross country. Um, we had a team. There's a lot of guys just goofing off doing not great things. And I was, you know, this time in my life, it was kind of pivotal. So right. I was kind of just like, okay, where, you know, where is it going to go? And I, I was, I think, I don't know, sophomore, junior in high school. Um, but my cross country uh, coach was like, you know, I, I had a good relationship with him, but um, after like a lot of this news of like what the cross country team in general, like the guys varsity team did, um, he kind of took me under his wing. and was like, okay, let's talk about this. What it, What's happening? You know, like he's kind of like coached me through it and something like that kind of, kind of set me straight. And it, it was something really nice to see in my life to be able to like, be like, okay, I'm not, you know, I could see that he's like confident, he's level-headed, he's oh, that's good. able to just, he was able to lead really well the team. And so I had a, a great respect for him. Mm. And so when he was able to kind of just speak into my life that way, I was like, okay, you know what? You're right. You know, I'm this, this is, these aren't the best wow. friends to have. So, so like, okay, that wasn't like a class that you went through with this guy. No. But because of what you were doing, you watched his qualities about him yeah. that made you want to listen to him yeah. all the time. But of course, when he needed to speak into your life, yeah. it was more his character yeah. rather than a class. For sure. Wow. That's a great point. Yeah. Rodney, you've been down the business road a while. I'm sure you've seen some really flavorful but yeah talk about maybe you know again maybe if you don't have someone necessarily a bad quality but did you have a mentor in business or in life that uh, stepped in and you found a good leader to learn from uh, i've i've had a few of both mm. and uh i would probably say that i'm an observant pr- I, I i never had to be coached mm. to win mm-hmm. i always had that Mm-hmm. drive i always you know if you're not if you're not first you're last that that oh, was yeah. like dna for me yeah um so i didn't even have to be told that i was probably the one yelling that at other people <laughs> so i'm that guy yeah but i i would say i was very observant mm-hmm. and had plenty of very poor leaders and i i Aside from just being annoyed at poor leadership traits, I always, I didn't, I hated griping. I hated people who just constantly gripe, but I listened to how they would respond to it when the person wasn't there. Yeah. And it always struck me that those 11 things they said, I I don't ever want to do them because I don't want to be the guy they're talking about in the water cooler. Wow. Uh, So... I think a lot of the things that I don't like, I'm I'm talking methodically and slowly here. I don't know why, but a lot of the things that I knew that I shouldn't be doing or, or, or 
preferably not to do as a leader. Right. I just learned through observation. Uh, I did have several people who stepped in, uh, like yourself, you know, that, that mm. uh, I worked for or with that I looked up to mm. and uh, at different points in my right. career where particularly how they handle mm. situations, uh, how they handle – you know, everyone performs well mm -hmm. when you're just checking off the list. It's what happens when everything Ooh. blows up. Mm. And watching how people handle crisis, uh, I had a good, uh, very specifically, I had a great mentor professionally in, you know, kind of the manufacturing, mm. uh, supply chain management space. And I remember we were implementing a whole bunch of process change and went into his office because, you know, you, you own, uh, when you're in that role, you own process change, even if the people below you don't, aren't buying into change. Wow. And so I remember walking to his office and just, just, you know, kind of out of my mind, like, you know, this isn't working when everyone, uh, in the, in the supply below you is not bought in and right. it's just, you know, almost defiant. Right. And, you know, I remember him giving me the uh, example of horses. There's different kind of horses. There's, mm. there's show horses, people who just show up. There's plow horses, people that will do the work, wow. will work really hard. And there are race horses. And all you got to do is open up the gate. Mm. And he said, you got to find out and identify who is each one and realize that if everybody was a racehorse, McDonald's wouldn't exist. Wow. There'd be no post office. There'd be no, you know, uh, not a mm. slight to people at process meal, but you know, right. like you're not, you're, you're, you're not required to be a mental giant in every single right. uh, job in life. Uh, in fact, some of us try to avoid it. That's why right. we do jobs that are, you know, cathartic and, you know, long right. care. But, uh, you know, I, I, I had to, it was like this moment where I was like, wow, everybody's mm. not going to conform to my standard of thinking. Everyone's not going to conform to, yes. to, to the way I think things should happen. And I have to realize who's around me and adapt to that. Right. And, and be stronger for those people in those circumstances. So it's interesting that both of you, and I didn't anticipate that obviously, but I mean, it's there, both of you, you mentioned the same thing. It was observation. So how you learn to be a good leader yeah. was, observing the character of those that are good leaders. Yeah. And as you said, Rodney, observing the things that you didn't want. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, but so at the, in that instance, you mentally submitted yourself to to following like, okay, I'm going to listen to my coach's advice. I'm going to listen to what they're saying around the water cooler. I don't want to be that guy. That's what we're talking about. So here's the deal. There's so many leadership classes that we go to, and I do think those are critical, but for the most part, fellowship isn't a class. It's observation. Mm -hmm. Isn't that so interesting? Yeah. All right, so now here's number, how, do, how, how do I become a good follower? Find a good leader to learn from. You, you don't have to start a mentorship program necessarily with them. Just watch what they do and sometimes watch what they don't do. Mm. Like Rodney said, like how when, when no one's looking or, you know, when the bottom falls out, how do they respond or how do they not respond? All right, here's another one. Become a constant learner. Yeah. You have to become a con. Yeah. I think 100%. that, right? But I think it went hand in hand with what you guys said with observation. You yeah. took what you observed, um, and you were constantly learning. So when the Bible, let's go back to First Peter three, when the Bible says that a, a, a woman can be understood, and that 
uh, men are so, husbands are supposed to dwell with their wives of the understanding. You you never stop becoming a learner of your wife. Raina and I this year will celebrate 29 years of marriage, and here's something you know for almost well 11 years of that 29. Um, uh, Raina's mom has lived with us, and I've had to watch Raina through those seasons of life. So our first three years of marriage was different. Then of course we had children started starting after that, so that was different. And with each child, it was different. And then, of course, as they aged, it was different. Then my point is this: there were always the seasons were always changing, so I had to constantly learn and adapt. And with each season, I learned more about Raina. So who Raina was when we were first married in the first three years is not who she is now in some areas. We've grown, we've matured, we've adapted. Maybe now she's weaker in some areas where she was stronger. Maybe she's stronger in areas that she's never been before. Blah blah blah. Be a constant learner. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, the the more you are learning the following mode, the more effective you are in the leadership role. Yeah. Wow. Let me say that again. The more you are constantly learning in the fellowship mode, the more effective you are as a leader in the role. Yeah. So I was sitting down with a lot of pastors in a in a room, and these are big these are big guns, if you will, smart minds. Not necessarily by the size of their church, but these guys were these these guys are awesome. It's like having Moses, Abraham, and all those guys in one room. And it was me and a few other young guys. We were invited, 28 pastors across the country where young pastors were chosen to sit down with these guys. And uh, somehow I was blessed to be one of them. And I watched almost every one of those guys sat down and took notes from each other. And at at that point, for like a half a second, I was like, why are you taking notes, bro? Like, you've arrived. Mm -hmm. Like, your church has so many thousands, and you're doing this and that, and you're in your late 50s. Like, you've arrived. They were still learning. They never stopped. Yeah. They were learning. And you know who they were taking notes from? Some of the comments the younger pastors were asking. Mm -hmm. And they were going back going, I forgot about that. I need to revisit that. That's Mm -hmm. what got me started. That's where I'm at. Wow. Okay. Find a good leader to learn from. Be a constant learner. Serve those that are being led. Mm, that's important. Okay. So, so many times we think leadership is serving us. Mm. Like if I'm a leader, those under me serve me. And the, okay, there is an element of that, that those, they're in that role to help support you. Like if you're, in a, if you're a manager, I mean, if you're an assistant manager, your job is to help assist the manager. That's kind of why that's your title, to assist his role. I get that. But a good manager takes care of his assistant managers or her assistant managers, okay? Serve those that are being led. Never stop developing your character. That should have been number one and number one alone. Yeah. Here it is. Title, position, rank, salary, never replace character. Never. So how do I develop character? You ready for this, guys? Develop and maintain humility. Mm Mm-hmm. How do we do that? Take responsibility for your actions. Don't live for praise. Listen, the same hand that pats you on the back sometimes and says, man, you're just it, can sometimes also be pushing you off the cliff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. Don't live for praise. Be aware of weak spots. John Maxwell has a book called 360 Leadership, You know, being aware of your blind spots. That's a good book. Be aware of weak spots. In other words, assign trusted people um, that can offer counsel in areas where you're weak. Okay, so listen, leadership is about others. It's never about you. Mm-hmm. Jesus replaced brute force with love, pride. He, he replaced brute force with love, pride with meekness. He replaced domination over others with self-sacrificing. Mm. Wow. So how, how can you and I, this is a military term. I don't know if they still use this or not. How can you be a good piece of equipment 
You ever hear that, Rodney? Like, yeah. like I'm good. I'm not injured. I'm ready to go. Like, yeah, I might be a little reliable. Right. right. I'm reliable. How, how to be a reliable leader and a reliable follower. I love this verse. I've been waiting to mention this verse all day, <laughs> and we're going to end with it. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 through 14. You ready for this one? Yep. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Boom. Be strong. Now, let me read that first sentence again. That's verse 13 before I read verse 14. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Mm-hmm. Let all you do be done in love. 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 What? It didn't say let all you let all you do be done with brute force, with strength, demand, command, mm. barking out orders, calling out your title, flexing your salary, flexing your position. Uh-uh. How do you act like a man? You do everything with an attitude of love. Wow. Let me break it down for you and we're done. What does this first mean? We live, we, we, everybody here lives under authority, and this can never be reversed. Right. You're never going to be at the top of the game, right? Never. Why? Because you have God your Father, okay? Ephesians chapter 3, 4, and 5 set out the structure. All of us live under some type of authority. When he says be watchful, that means be vigilant, be ever learning, ever, ever, ever studying, ever observing, ever always serving. Stand firm. Be faithful. In other words, front sight's going after men who are faithful, focused, and fearless. Okay? Be faithful. Stand firm, he said. Act act like men. That literally means be courageous. Remember, any man can do what any other man is doing, but rare is the man who can do what is right. Mm. And you and I have to learn how to act like men. Be courageous. Here's the next one. When he says, and let all the, all that you do be done in love, be loving. It's kind of simple. Like let people know, even in hard times, even in leadership, that you're doing this because you love them. Here's the point. Leadership is actually sacrificial living. Mm. So how do you and I learn to live under authority? How do we live under the chain of command? Okay. Sun Tzu said a leader leads by example, not by force. You and I can learn to live under authority. Our greatest model, which is why we are a biblical podcast our greatest model is the life of Jesus Christ, right? He was the strongest man ever to walk this earth, and yet he sacrificed. He gave himself for me and for you. Guys, you can be a good piece of equipment. Just start acting like men. First uh, Corinthians chapter 16, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men. All right, that wraps up episode 16. Good stuff, huh? Good yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Now, as we close... Always remember, like and share, and find a way where to help rate the show. Where you find it, Spotify, Pandora, um, wherever you're listening, uh, Apple Podcast, find a way to rate that. Why, that helps the algorithm get up there to get the word out, to start listening, for more men to listen and, and to get the word. Guys, we are so thankful um, for where you are. We are so thankful that you are leading here, and we are praying for you. You know that we are lifting you guys up. As always, comment, share, like, and follow. Ready on the right, ready on the left, already on the firing line. Let's be a leader by serving.